Welcome to the 25th episode of Daily Ka. I'm Stephanie Nagini-san. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week we're going to talk about... The Women's March in Jakarta uh, in conjunction with International Women's Day. Yeah, we're, so we're going to do a little bit of a conversational catch-up thing since Sweden didn't come to the Women's March. Um, there's going to be a lot of guilt tripping of me, but fine, I deserve it. <laughs> I haven't actually told Sweden about what happened in the Women's March. This is like actually a spontaneous conversation among friends. And we're going to cover what the march was for and um, my involvement in it, sort of. <laughs> Take pride in it! <laughs> We're also going to cover how the Women's March relates to the Women's March in Washington, the International Women's Day, and a little bit on the history of the International Women's Day itself. So, here's to it. So, this weekend we had the Women's March in Jakarta, uh, Saturday, 4th of March. And true to form, Sweden is not there in person. Okay. Thanks, Sue. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did like a doctor's appointment and everything. Very valid excuse. Okay, Stephanie has been making me feel guilty for a long time about this. And she's continuing to make me feel guilty about it. Okay, um, that's enough guilting Sweden, which is a hobby of mine. Is it ever enough? Uh, enough for now, since we actually have to get on with the podcast. Thank you. Sweden was there in spirit and actually helped with the graphic design element. Now you and now you say my part after, you know, you've pushed yeah. me under the bus. <laughs> yeah, so he actually helped with tirelessly revising the posters for the Women's March. I'm actually really sad and kind of bummed that I couldn't be there. Actually, all I know about the Women's March is from news sites. I don't know. I- really? So you've like, you've not, you have, you've only talked about it. You've only, what you're... So what did the media say? Media roundup. What did they say about us? And like. All right. So I am a equal consumer of both quality media and trashy media. Okay. <laughs> Let's start with the trashy media. The trashy media is basically just like you know uh, all the best posters from Women's March. <laughs> is that my vice? That is my vice. <laughs> I mean, I don't think the guy who was on Vice was there long enough because I definitely saw really good ones that was not captured on there. A lot of media has taken some of the you know this is the trashy media right they've taken the event out of context they've taken the images out of context so i try to balance that with the quality media which is it's all right i mean they just covered it i haven't actually found a media source that actually lists out the eight demands hey that's my article coming up on peterpolitik.com are you saying you're quality media (laughs) i am new media but i am quality because i am quality yes queen yes (laughs) Mikey, why? Um, but yeah, so actually, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I kind of just know it from the outsider's perspective, at least on the day itself. So yeah, um, the March itself was great, and I'll get into it later. But just, I'm going to read out the eight demands for the 8th of March, because it, the Women's March in Jakarta was also planned in conjunction with the International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. But we had on the 4th of March, because that's the Saturday, whereas the 8th of March is on a Wednesday. Which means that a lot of us uh, capital slaves cannot, you know, actually go march on a random Wednesday. So we had that then. And but coincidentally, the eight demands for the eight of March, you know, eight and eight kind of matches up, <laughs> and are kind of like the central focus of our march. Right? Those are the demands we have for the government and for society, mm-hmm. and they are as follows. 
Uh, one, we demand that Indonesia returns to tolerance and diversity. Two, that we demand that the government establishes legal infrastructure that supports gender equality. Three, we demand that the government and the community fulfill women's health rights and eliminate violence against women. Four, we demand that government and community protect the environment and women workers. Five, we demand that the government develops public policies that are pro-women and pro-marginalized groups, including disabled women. Six, we demand that the government and political parties increase representation and involvement of women in politics. Seven, we demand the government and the community to respect and eliminate discrimination towards LGBTQ people. Eight, we demand that the government and the community become more concerned with global issues that have an impact on women and girls and build solidarity with women and girls around the world. That's some really good intersectional demands there. I think one of the coolest things for me um, organizing and being in the march is like how intersectional it is. Mm-hmm. For the most of the oration, there's um, a woman who signed the speech as well in addition to the orations. Wow. And we had... Um, during the march, one of the leaders in front of the march was mm-hmm. uh, a woman in a wheelchair. And so that was like a big part of like making sure that she was included in the forefront of the march uh, and that she had space to be included in the march. Yeah. And another big thing was the inclusion of the LGBTQ community, which was like, I think, a big deal. And um, there was a really big turnout for that as well. There were a lot of people like having their rainbow flags mm-hmm. and uh, Miss Chan's school 2017 like gave an oration as well so there was an inclusion there and, and I think the organizers made sure that they were included in both organizing and being visible in the events which I was super proud of the trans community in Indonesia I mean for our listeners who aren't familiar with the situation right mm-hmm. it's a very marginalized almost invisible community so it's really cool that mm-hmm. You guys are really, you know, not only including them in the organizing process, but also making them front and center, right? Because that's something that new millennial-oriented news sites have certainly grabbed onto that, that, you know, the the trans community made an appearance. Yeah, and I think one thing behind the scenes as well, I think it can disclose this information, but we also had a lot of women's organizations that declined to join or participate or be involved because we included the seventh demand. Which was the um, one where you wanted LGBTQ, so they didn't want us to include. So there, everyone like a lot of people were also like friends of friends were also like, oh, I support all of these eight things except for you know LGBT ones, and then decided not to come. Mm-hmm. I like someone interviewed me on the day and then like asked this question to me, and I was like, yeah. So and like because it was like midday and it was so hot, and that was like. I've been photographed so much that day. I was just like, yeah, they're fake allies. I don't care. Like, if they're there for the LGBTQ community, then they aren't, like, real allies anyway. And, like, my tone there was, like, even worse than now. And I still stand by that comment just because mm-hmm. I think I was so touched. And, like, for me, I um, – so I participated in a performance piece, right? Um, so I actually uh, organized a performance piece where we wore white kabayas or an Indonesian traditional outfit. And then we like we splashed the kabaya with fake blood, right? That's amazing. Um, so this was supposed to be a performative piece talking about violence against women in Indonesia. And as a part of that performative piece, I asked Arus Pelangi, which is a amazing uh, NGO for the LGBTQ community. And they connected me with like, um, Shakila from Trans School and someone else from Jakarta Feminist, Feminist Group 
not volunteered. And so, like, in our group of, like, five people, uh, three people were, like, cis women and two were, like, I think Nafal is non-binary. And uh, Trikula is tra- considered herself as trans, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we made posters specifically for them as well to, like, talk about the statistics on LGBTQ issues. So, basically, because I was with Trikula and, like, because and because I was in the front lines, I was, like, for the most part of the march, I was with, like, with the trans community. And, like, I've never been the minority cis woman before <laughs> in, like, a space. Certainly um, not in Indonesia. And it was super lovely. Like, uh, I don't know. I just, like, felt a lot more conscious of my own cis privilege, if that makes sense. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt so much more strongly about being a better ally because I felt like I knew more people in the trans community more. Like, after that day, and I think it was, like... Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times, a lot of my allyship is, like, theoretical, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I know that I can't be a turf or a trans-exclusionary radical feminist. I know I have to include all women, right? Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes I needed to, I guess, mm-hmm. know that struggle more personally, right? I'm really, really glad and super grateful that you guys stuck to your guns and made sure that you were fighting for the LGBT cause as well. Because my sisters, who had no idea that I was helping out uh, a little bit with the Women's March, so they were just commenting about the Women's March as, you know, lay people, right? And it was, they know about it. They know about it, yeah. They won't know about the Women's March. And I I didn't tell them about it (laughs) because they live in Singapore. Um, but they knew about it in Jakarta, and one of my sisters said, like, it was really cool that it was so proudly LGBT in its support, you know, in its yeah. uh, representation. So, like, I think one of the things that, one during the oration that I was listening about, I think Yulita from Aros Pelangi said that, like, you know, it really means a lot um, for them to be included in this march because they know they cannot march on their own with this, with as much security and as much as, like... yeah feeling of safety and while still being themselves if they didn't partake in the Women's March. Like, that really struck me really, like, deep. Because, like, yeah, like, Women's March, we can just march as who we are, right? But that privilege cannot be translated for the LGBTQ community in Indonesia. Like, they, their safety and their ability to protest and be themselves is under the protection of our cisness. And if we as cis women are not there to, like, help protect them, like, what kind of useless allies would we be? So that was the Women's March. It was super great organizing. And so this was, the, f- I think, one of the first times or the first times in recent history where, like, we've managed to gather around 34, 33 human rights and women's rights and LGBTQ mm-hmm. uh, organizations under one umbrella and one march. So the estimates of people coming are between the high hundreds to, like, 2,000. Wow. And this was over the course of how many hours? Um, three or four hours. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was really hot, but I don't know. It was super fun. And like, um, it was just such a great feeling and atmosphere and solidarity. And it was really cool. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like kind to each other, helpful. And like, this was very unique also in the sense that like, it was a hundred percent organic, right? Like as in 
I handled the budget and finances, and so we don't have any budget for nasi bungkuses in terms of like we could not possibly <laughs> afford to pay people to come to protest. So this was a hundred percent people use their own time and their own money to come there to like spend money there. There were no buses to transport people, so this is what a real protest is like. You know, like this is like what a real unorganized organic protest is like. And I think there's a difference there in in the crowd that you get and the enthusiasm that you get. Stephanie talked earlier about how the Women's March Jakarta was uh, held in conjunction with International Women's Day, which is every year on March eighth. So a brief. History of International Women's Day for those of you who don't know about it, because I only know about it. I I kind of only know the modern version, which is the UN tide version.、Mm-hmm. This is actually really funny. Like if you look into the history, and people don't really talk about this, but if you look into the history, the event has such socialist and communist roots, <laughs> which is amazing. You know, it started in 1909 in remembrance of a uh, women's uh, textile workers' strike. Uh, it was held by the Socialist Party of America, and then over the years, in those early decades of the 20th century, Austria, Denmark,、uh, countries like that started having conferences about women's rights, about women's representation and roles in the workforce.、Mm-hmm. And then, funnily enough, I think this is something that is never taught in the history books, and I learned about this: the celebration of International Women's Day on March 1917 in Saint Petersburg, Russia. Directly initiated the February Revolution that threw, you know, Tsar Nicholas II out of、uh, his seat of power and invited the Bolsheviks in. You know, like it's what turned Russia into communist Russia, Soviet Russia. Nice.、Uh, and funnily enough, literally Vladimir Lenin made March eighth into a national holiday way before any of the other countries. Way.、Mm-hmm. So and then only until recently, I would say in the seventies, that the UN and other Western countries decide to adopt it as an official holiday. And for I would say most of the countries in the developed world, it is now an official holiday. But even for countries in the developing world, it, people celebrate it one way or another. It's it's amazing to see where it's grown. But yeah, who knew it has such interesting socialist roots?、Um, <laughs> I think. One thing that I'm excited about that coincides with International Women's Day is、uh, this upcoming "A Day Without Women" campaign.、Mm-hmm. So that's actually a spinoff from the Women's March on Washington, like Women's March DC. So they've actually managed to like turn the Women's March momentum into an actual organization. And the next thing they have planned is "A Day Without Women," which is essentially a sort of a strike. So here, "A Day Without Women" is is and what. You, People can do to participate is that women can take the day off from paid and unpaid labor.、Um, so unpaid labor includes, you know, being a mom and doing mom things, and even like emotional labor, like explaining things to men, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to avoid shopping for one day, with exception for small businesses and women and minority-owned businesses. And then we're red in solidarity with the day without women. So like、uh, Vox did a great article on this. And so it was talking a little bit about how you know trying to show up with your wallet, right?、It's、I think one of the reasons why they wanted to do a strike is because you really realize the impact when people just don't show up. And this is, you know, the a day without a woman. It follows up after another event 
that was held a few weeks before you know before this upcoming International Women's Day, which was a day without an immigrant in the United States, uh, which is arguably you know a very U.S. specific situation. But what they were also trying to say is like you know if all the immigrants in the United States did not show up for work, can the country function? And this was against Trump's you know anti-immigrant policies and things like that. But it definitely showed an impact. And I think if you can imagine America without immigrants and how bad it was, can you imagine America without half of its population? I'm kind of worried that it won't really do much. Because like, I think the force of this only works if like a significant amount of women participate and not do stuff. Yeah. Part of the criticism towards this is also like, this is kind of like a privileged type of protest because um, if you can afford to like take a day off work or you can afford to like not participate, that means that you have enough money. Or that you don't have to worry about losing your job. Yeah, you don't have to worry about losing your job. You have like a understanding employer, etc. cetera. Uh, it's not like a movement for the 99%. Like uh, You said earlier with the Women's March in Jakarta, you guys held it over a weekend because you wanted to... Precisely because we wanted to include people who can't otherwise attend, right? Like, mm-hmm. like for me, as much as like I support this movement, like I, I, I don't... I think it's like also not fair for people to like say that oh, you're not as much of an activist because, and I, like, I think I've had people talk about this to, like, my type of people. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you're not really an activist because you're not going to all of the events and, like, not going to all of the rallies. And I'm like, that is super, like, problematic to say, right? Because your the extent of your commitment is not by how much work you can skip or, like, the nature of your job. It's just how much you can give given your time limits and limitations. Did all of that hard work and, you know, the stress of organizing an event and a march, did all of that, I was it worth it? can't, like, Olin, Olin, um, Olin Ventero is the head coordinator and she, like, deserves a lot of, like, and Kate, too, deserves a lot of, like... Our wonderful, woke, white woman, Kate Walton. <laughs> <laughs> and Olin, like, also was, like, the main liaison for, like, a lot of these organizations and... Like, I think one of the greatest things to me was the fact that it managed to unite, and Maolin deserves a lot of credit, to unite um, a lot of different organizations. And I think there was a lot of synergies that happened and a lot of people getting to know each other. And I think going forward that this is the real thing, like, for us to organize as a group for collective change. Because a lot there's so many women's organizations in Indonesia. Everyone has their own thing and wants to carry their own flag. I think it, it like we need to show up as like a whole unit over and over again and like really move more people from the casual protest sphere to like actual activism and like activate people more as like activists yeah and like setting like making it really welcoming to people just because like even organizing this woman's march i don't know everybody in the movement so i imagine like just a teenager coming up to like all these veteran activists like i feel like they don't know what to do or what to say even though they want to really be involved and help so i guess what's what i'm gathering you know from you sharing about your experience organizing and participating in the women's march is that an event like the Women's March is a great intro event, but it should not be the end-all be-all. No, no. And I think everyone's super conscious of it. And everyone, I think the feeling of the crowd was that, like, we are getting to know each other here. We are in this together for the long haul, and that this is just the first of what is to come. 
really excited about the young people who are going to be more and more involved in upcoming actions and movements. We just need to find the right things tactically and strategically in order to activate as many people as possible and find the right avenues to like create things. Thank you so much for listening to us this week. Uh, we hope you kind of took away something from it. As always, um, music credits to Jazzart, Ryan Little, and Bro for Free. And if you haven't followed us on YouTube, um, our latest channel, uh, you should definitely follow yeah. us. We're also still going to be on SoundCloud, but we want to uh, highlight YouTube a bit more. And also, it's a lot easier, I guess, to listen on YouTube than, yeah. say, like open up SoundCloud or you know go into iTunes and download the podcast. So we're trying to make it easier for you guys to, to, listen. Uh, to enjoy the episodes. Yeah. And once again, we always, always really want feedback. So email us at dialogicappodcast at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message or comment on YouTube. And as always, uh, we'll have resources and links at our website, dialogica.id. And thanks so much for listening. Bye.